Now we're professionals. I meant to be like. We have to apologize because we're like, oh, do we sound so professional? Yeah, we um. <clears throat> we suck. Essentially. <laughs> I just need to talk louder too because when I when I'm listening to you, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why i was like is it us like what are we doing is it me I think am I'm- i the drama Today, we're doing part two of the Jack the Ripper series. Well, it's not a series. Yeah. The amount of suspects, like, the there's, like, the suspects that they suspected at the time. Mm-hmm. And then there was, like, which was already a lot. Mm-hmm. And then there was, like, the crazy, like, I saw in one spot, it was, like, Lewis Carroll, like, the writer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was, was, everyone was, like, it was, it's him. What? <laughs> now. No. <laughs> so, um, we're gonna do two suspects and then we're gonna do a little conspiracy. Oh conspiracy. <laughs> I really wish sometimes I wish people could see me because I feel like if I just if you just hear me say like you yeah, can't it's like, see it's me doing funny. the fingers and yeah, like it's not funny. So if I'm yeah, not funny then, then you're just like Also if you hear me saying um too much, be like Look. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, how was your week, Kirsten? It was okay. Is that? Yeah. That's that okay? Yeah. Anything exciting happening? Um, haven't had any medical issues, so that's that's a plus. Um, good. That's a plus. Um, yeah. No, it's been pretty much like, go to work, pick up the child, go to sleep. Mm, Sounds like you're a parent now. Yeah. Yeah. Must be. Yeah. It's all right, though. We're just vibing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, how was your week? Um, my week was pretty much the same as every other week, but I got my nails done. Oh. They look cute. You have to tap. Uh. Little tappy taps. Tip taps. Um, and did I do anything exciting this week? <laughs> I, like, never do. <laughs> Nothing eventful ever goes on in my life. Um... Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I just go to work and like didn't even go shopping or anything. No, I actually. Oh wait, no, I did go to Target, but it was like um like a limited shopping trip. Like you were like put on a budget. Yeah, like not a, like not a strict budget, but like a budget. Yeah. I did get some things. I got that um Dr. Seuss palette oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at Target yeah. by the mm-hmm. I Heart Revolution brand. It's very cute. I used it. Um, it's very cute. Sponsor us. Sponsor us. I've never used your makeup, but, you know. I like. used your Dr. Seuss palette, and I plan to go back and buy more, so. <laughs> also, um, I can tell Athena has been chewing at my... Oh. She has chewed on every single one of my cords that is in that is in my room. 
doesn't ever destroy them, just chews all the way down and stops. <laughs> and, just, and then finds, finds a new cord. one. So I was like, I was like feeling it. I was like, oh my god. Okay. She only got about this far down. Probably so she's not done. No, she's not done. She's got a long way. <laughs> so. Okay, so, um. Oh, um, also, did you want to give a shout out? A shout out? Oh my god, to our best friend Peg, right? Is that her name? <laughs> I think so. Um, Peg, you are our first hater and we feel like we're officially famous. So, Peg, if you for some reason do listen to this again, um, we loved your comment Thank on Facebook. You. Um, Thank we feel you. like real superstars. Um. We really made it. Yeah, we really did make it. And we're only on our third, fourth episode. Fourth episode. So, we, we heart you, Peg. We, we really do. You. With all our hearts. I just don't understand why elderly people just have to be so vicious all the <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, she was like, okay, so can we just, okay, Peg's comment was something like this, the cutesy pick art goes nothing, like, goes with nothing about their podcast, this morbid, gruesome topic, like, zero out of ten, like, I hate, go away forever, that's what she definitely wrote, like, go away forever, and I was like, okay, Peggy, um... We're coming back, Peg. <laughs> I'm not going to say her last name, but we're going to call her Peggy. So, and I did hide her comment on Facebook, so no, you can't find it. Unless you really search, there's a way you can find it, but I'm not going to say. Okay. So, let's, uh, let's get into it. Yep. Get into it. Grab your coffee. Grab your coffee. Put your hand on bun. Put your hand on a bun. Get on your comfy clothes. Put your comfy clothes off your knees. And let's get into it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, Oh, oh. Dumb chocolate in my teeth. No. No. Okay. So we're gonna just um we're gonna jump right into it. You guys hopefully listen to the first episode. So you'll some of the stuff kinda goes back to the first episode. Yeah, so if you didn't so listen to the first episode, go back and listen you're gonna be to just slightly lost. Jack the Ripper Episode two. Part one. Part one. I don't think I actually put part one in the Oh my title. god, now they're never gonna know. But it's episode two, okay? I know that. Alright, so in the early days, um, police believed that these crimes were being carried out by local gangs, um, but after they, they had gangs in the yeah 1800s, gang gang buddy, like they go way back. <laughs> I don't know what kind of gangs these were, but like there was gangs. Okay, I didn't get there was no names. I'm curious. They, yeah, so it was just like they thought that one of the local gangs, meaning there was multiple gangs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like interesting i would love to know what you did like what kind of crimes what did you wear come back from the dead let me know what you did yeah how we'll was your get a life? ouija board we'll hit you up yes i will never get a ouija board i won't either not in mom my told house. me i wasn't allowed to like no bitch we're not fucking playing with a ouija board i'm not trying to get killed or cursed for the rest of my life okay or like possessed yeah no thank you i'll watch like from like all you can like skype me like facetime me i'll watch from from my house I don't even know if you want that kind of like energy, energy coming, coming through. through my phone. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, cleanse the room. I am light. I am bright. Ew. <laughs> I've never heard the I am light. I am bright. I have this like little like safe energy thing, and I only remember I am light. I am bright. So whenever I'm petrified, oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> it helps me. After the Annie Chapman murder on September eighth of eighteen eighty eight, police finally decided that their suspect was a lone killer. They no longer believed it was a gang after Miss Miss Annie, Dark Annie, died. Still okay, why? Still don't know. I don't know. They just decided this is a, this is a lone killer. Yeah, I think because 
I think just because of, like, the way she was killed, it was so specific. And, to, like, like, they only saw one person. Was yeah. that the one that they saw someone? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, like, I feel like it was more like, okay, well, like, like, you're telling me nobody saw two women get murdered within, like, a few weeks apart by, like, a whole gang. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I get, okay. Like, it's easier for okay. one male okay. or, like, you. one person yeah. to do that than a whole entire gang. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I could see maybe, like, a gang member, but, like, they didn't say that. Okay. Anyway, there was a lot of speculation around whether or not the killer had any medical or anatomical knowledge just because of the way he disemboweled them. It seemed like he did, but at the same time, it could have just been he was going for it. Was like, mm, figured it out. <laughs> yeah, so they... Too. You know, some people thought, well, yeah, he does. Some people were like, no, this is too sloppy for a medical, like, someone who has medical and anatomical background. So, like... Well, he was also, like, in a hurry. Yeah, he was kind of, like, rushing. So, you know. Yeah. Um, so, with that knowledge, you know, kind of going off them maybe having a medical background, they, um, suspected a few college students who were working at an asylum at the time. So, for a few weeks, they, tr- like, tracked these college students and mm-hmm. then came to nothing. Like, no- nothing suspicious came out of it, but they watched and tracked these <clears> college <throat> students who were working at an asylum because, for some reason, they had suspected them, and nothing came out of it. Hmm. So, I don't really... I don't know. But, yeah, they tracked them. Nothing came out of it. Um, nothing to suggest that they were involved. And then, throughout the search, police were convinced that their killer lived in the district. That being said, they carried out over 2,000 interviews. But, of those 2,000 plus interviews, only 80 suspects were detained, but none of them redeemed the killer. It is possible that the killer was within those interviews, but none of the suspects. Well, I mean, it, like, it was a small town, wasn't it? Um, it was, like, a small district, yeah. Yeah, so, like, how could he not But, like, be? it could also be, like, an outsider. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's yeah. um, like, conspiracies that it could have been an American who did it and left back for America. Oh, okay. So, I've heard that before. Which I did not before. do that conspiracy, but I heard it. You're gonna have to read up. Yep. So, so they say that it is very possible that the killer was within those 2,000 plus interviews that they, you know interviewed but he definitely wasn't one of the 80 people that they detained um that they know of that they know of okay dun, dun, dun. yeah okay so i'm just gonna go over some of the lead investigators that i had found and are gonna be mentioned throughout the next two like suspects uh so the first one is sir melville leslie mcnaughton quite the name hmm Um, He was the Assistant Commissioner of Crime of the London Metropolitan Police from 1903 to 1913. And he was a suspect? No, this was was the lead investigators. So, in the two that I talk about, these investigators, they very strongly agree or disagree with whether or not these people were guilty. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, and then we have Inspector Frederick George Aberline. Um, he was the British Chief Inspector for the London Metropolitan Poli- Police between 1887 and 1892. Sir Robert Anderson was a second Assistant Commissioner of the London Metropolitan Police from 1888 to 1901. And then Chief Inspector Donald Swanson was a senior... <laughs> 
<laughs> you have all those long names, and then you can just call it Donald in there. Yeah, I know. Donald Swanson. So, Donald. Okay, so Donald Swanson was a senior police officer in the Metropolitan Police um, between 1868 and 1903. In February 1984, um, a series of articles, that's supposed to be 94, not 84, because the murders happened in 88. I'll start over. You're fired. I'm fired! Okay, so in February 1990... No. 1894 um, they went into great detail about the 1888 Ripper murders. A man named Thomas Cutbush was named as the potential killer in these articles. So they were very convinced that this man, Thomas Cutbush, was the killer. Their reasoning, not so great. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, which we'll get into. Um, the son didn't have any solid concrete evidence to back up the statements, besides the fact that Cutbush was... A man who was a favored suspect in the media because of his background. So pretty much because of his like, it's because his background was like mental health issues is why he was deemed like a liable suspect, which was very off. Like, I don't, yeah, I just don't. I when you hear it, you're gonna be like, why was he mm -hmm. even a suspect? But this is kind of what brought out like more suspects that were actually maybe the killer like sound more mm -hmm. convincing okay the sun article claimed that cutbush would had caught venereal disease from a prostitute and that the resulting delusions were led to, like is what led him to kill prostitutes so he caught this disease from a prostitute and then it made him delusional and he went and killed dirty dirty man now investi <laughs> investigator <laughs> mcnaughton conceded that cutbush had apparently contracted syphilis in about 1888, and since that time, he led an ideal and useless life. His brain seems to have become affected, and he believed that people were trying to poison him. That's a quote straightly from the investigator. Mm -hmm. um, his asylum... Asylant. <laughs> his asylum records make no mention of syphilis or venereal disease, so it's most likely that he didn't have either of those. Mm -hmm. um, the records of criminal lunatic X32007. That was his, like, name in the system. Oh, okay. I was like, did I miss, <laughs> did I miss something? Or... Yeah. So that's okay. just kind of how they labeled them. Okay. Um, his criminal record um, basically states that the cause of his insan insanity was hereditary. So, there was no, like, breaking point that they could come to for him to lose his sanity right. and then go on a killing spree. Okay. So, that's kind of... So, he just, like, had it already. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Thomas. Sorry. Just kind of got stuck with that one. McNaughton rebutted the Sun's article, naming three suspects who were much more likely to be the Ripper than Cutbush. So, the first suspect that he deemed way more, like, 
more of a suspect to mm-hmm. be the Ripper was Mon- Monahue John Druitt. He was born in 1857. Um, Druitt was a favored suspect of McNaughton specifically. Um, he was a barrister, which was like a form of like a lawyer at the okay. at the time. And it was like they had like two branches. It was barrister. And it was something else. And he was the barrister. It's pretty much the one who did all the work. So he was he was that. And then he also worked as an assistant schoolmaster at a boarding school in Blackheath, South Southeast London, which isn't really that close to the where the murders were. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get into later. In November 1888, Druitt was suddenly dismissed from the boarding school he worked at. To this day, it's unknown why he was dismissed, but he was dismissed. Um, and a month later, in December, a month later, December 31st, 1888, Druitt's deceased body was found floating in a we- in a river on the Thames at Cheswick, is what the river was called. So he's dead. Yes, he committed suicide. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> well. Well, out there, which is, um, it'll play a part. They kind of think he did it. He committed suicide out of guilt, but then they'll kind of prove that wrong. So, you'll, you'll see. Don't worry. We'll get into it. Okay. We'll get into okay. it. Okay, so, in his argument as to why Druitt was a top suspect, McNaughton described Druitt as, quote, a doctor about 41 years of age and of fairly good family, who disappeared at the time of the Miller's Court murder and whose body was found floating in the Thames on the 31st of December. Seven weeks after the said murder. The body was said to have been in the water for a month or more from pi- private. Ooh. Yeah. So he is probably not too pretty. <laughs> from private information, I have little doubt but that his own family suspected this man of being the Whitechapel murderer. It was alleged that he was sexually insane. So, on the surface, Druitt does look like a solid suspect. The mere fact that McNaughton, who was a strong and reliable investigator, felt so strongly about it. Um, and his memorandum, which was kind of like an unofficial, like, here's the reasons why he's guilty. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of facts that were convincing as to why he would be the murderer. But a lot of those, even like the statements that he said earlier, a lot of it was proved wrong. Hmm. Yeah, so he was just this this investigator. I'm kind of iffy about because he gets a lot of he like basic. Seem very liable. He, yeah, he gets a lot of basic facts very wrong. So, um, the reasons why he sh- he thinks that he was the suspect, um, or he thinks he's like the best suspect. Um, the timing of his suicide would also explain why the murders ended with the the last victim found in Miller's court, uh, Mary Kelly. McNaughton also was said, it was said that his family believed that he was the killer. Mm, is that true? We'll see. <sighs> Stay tuned to find out. <laughs> However, after further inspection into who Drew it was, the case was brought against him, and the case that was brought against him by McNaughton, it begins to fall apart. Firstly, Drew it was 31, not 41, as McNaughton had stated. Wow, just gonna add a whole 10 years. Yeah, so already off to a very bad start. Um, Although many of Druitt's family members were in the medical field, he was not in the medical field. So he said he was a 41-year-old doctor. He wasn't a doctor. He was a 31-year-old lawyer who was also an assistant at a boarding school. So no medical history, like, background at all. (laughs) He had family who was, but not him. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. Yeah, so (laughs) already we're off to a bad start. 
McNaughton also claimed that, quote, the murderer's brain gave way altogether after his awful glut in Miller's court and that he immediately committed suicide, end quote. So he's saying the second after he killed the last victim, he immediately couldn't take it and committed suicide. But Druitt had worked for three weeks after the murder, uh, the murder in Miller's court until he was dismissed from the school, which was likely the reason that he committed suicide. Or what led him to finally... It makes more sense because it's more directly yeah. after yeah. rather so than three weeks. That's kind of where a lot of it falls apart is he was in the medical field. He also got his age wrong. So everything about what he said about this guy was completely wrong. Pretty much. There was no, like, solid evidence against him. Sir, but he was convinced. You need a different job. He was convinced, yeah. You need a different <laughs> job. So as for Druitt's family being convinced that he was the Ripper, there's no solid evidence to support that they ever said that. It's just hearsay. Objection. Hearsay. <laughs> Hashtag Inverted. <laughs> also, congratulations, Johnny Depp. Congrats, we Johnny Depp. You. you probably won't ever watch this. Please go back into the Pirates of the Caribbean because I don't yeah, want to watch fuck it. Fuck them bitches up and, and tell them to give you your rollback. Well, it's him who said he wasn't gonna. Well, yeah, he got fired, but he said he was never gonna go back to it. But like, but he plays with the two Go back. <laughs> But yeah, he went, like, he literally, the second that, did you see the second that he, like, won, he went out to a bar and played with a band, and I was going on tour for, the, like, the rest of this band's tour. Really? Yeah, with them. Jesus. And he's playing. He's such a nice man. I know, he's, he's lovely. He's an angel. I love you. My hot Johnny Depp. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Okay. <laughs> so I keep getting way off topic here. Okay. So, objection, hearsay. Stuart's family did not say that. <laughs> also, nothing suggests that Druitt had ever visited Whitechapel or had any knowledge of the area. So he wasn't even, like, in that vicinity of where the murders happened. Oh and nobody has ever come forward and said, oh, yeah, like, he was there or he knew about, like, anything around there. So very... What's this officer's name? McNaughton. What the frick is his first name? Let's see. Sir Melville Leslie McNaughton. Mr. Leslie? Can you get your shit together Leslie's and get his, the fuck out? Leslie's his middle name. Okay. Okay, Leslie. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck at you. <laughs> okay. So, in an interview with the Paul Mall Gazette in 1903, Aberlein, who which was another investigator that we mentioned earlier. Jesus Christ. Is quoted as saying, I know all about that story, but what does it amount to? Simply this. Soon after the last murder in Whitechapel, the body of a young doctor was found in Thames. But there is absolutely nothing beyond the fact that he was found at that time to incriminate him. So he was also wrong. He wasn't a doctor, but, you know, what does he know? But he's right. There was literally nothing to incriminate him. Yeah. He was just found weeks after the last murder. So. These bitches are dumb. <laughs> he was dumb. Is he dumb? Did you even go to school? <laughs> Did you even have school at that time? Did you even have a degree in what you're doing? <laughs> Is a degree like second grade education now? So that is the story of Druitt who ended up not being really a suspect at all. He was just a sad man who got released from his job. Probably super depresso expresso about it and Poor man. Dumb he just the wanted deed. to He just wanted a good life. I want to know why he was dismissed from the school. That's what I want to know. But they don't. Yeah. They don't know why he was. 
Because I tried looking up. I feel like they just didn't ask. According to them. Since the to know credibility of these bitches up in here. Yeah, they're really not that great. I feel like they haven't asked that question. Yeah. So. Jesus Christ! I got a chocolate piece in my throat. Okay. Okay. What's wrong? <coughs> Frick, that hurt my throat. So, our next suspect Mm-hmm. Is Mr. A. A. Ron Kosminski. A. A. Ron? A. A. Ron. <laughs> that's in a skit. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it. I, I know it's Aaron. Well, I say A. A. Ron. Oh, so his name's not actually A. A. Ron? No, it's just oh, you were spelled A. A. Ron. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, my God. Someone got me somebody who understands me because this bitch doesn't. Jesus. Oh, oh, my stomach hurts. It's a chocolate. <laughs> I bought, I went to Sheets the other day <coughs> before work, and I bought an entire, like, family-sized chocolate bar, and I ate on the way home, and I got home, I was like, <laughs> and I had a freaking monster with it. Oh my god, Sarah. That was fine. Kosminski was a Polish immigrant whose father was a tailor, and his brother Isaac, who immigrated to London sometime between 1871 and 1873, also became a very successful tailor. Very prosperous, very... Good vibes only. Um, it's like that one from Bridgerton, that lady that makes the dresses. Yeah. Except yeah. for they're Polish and they're men. Yes. <laughs> um, Mr. A. Aaron Kosminski, not so much. Oh. He was not as successful. In, oh. He wasn't even a tailor. Oh. Yeah. So, okay. Um, he immigrated to London sometime between 1880 and 1881. Very little is known about um, his life in London, and they don't know, they just don't know a lot about him. Hmm. There's not a lot of records on him until his medical issues start coming into play. Um, they do know that he didn't attempt to find work or a solid job for a very long time after arriving to England. So, he was very bottom-of-the-barrel kind of vibes. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Kosinski. Eventually, it was found in his medical records that his occupation was a hairdresser. It was kind of like, I saw that in a few sources, and others were just, he didn't have a job. Hmm. But I figured I would go with hairdresser, because I saw it in quite a few, you know, sources. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. They found in his medical records that he was a hairdresser. Now, it sounded like, to me, he was a hairdresser, like, in the asylum like he worked as a hairdresser okay how, you know how like at penhurst you talked about how they had jobs yeah so i feel like that's what they meant so i don't know what his job was outside of before he got admitted to an asylum so he was admitted to an asylum and yes. that's where he did the hairdressing yes but we'll get into that okay so okay. um he was one of the top three suspects named by mcnaughton in his memorandum against the sun newspaper mm-hmm McNaughton described Kosminski as, quote, a Polish Jew and a resident in Whitechapel. This man became insane, owing to many years' indulgence and solitary vices. He had a great hatred of women, especially of the prostitute class, and had strong homicidal tendencies. He was removed to a lunatic asylum about about March 1889. I said March. March and Hunt and End quote. Right? Yeah. Okay. Sir Robert Anderson, which is one of the ones we mentioned, 
um, solely believed that Kosminski was the killer they had been searching for, but was never able to fully prove it. In his memoir, his lovely memoir, which I'm sure many people read. <laughs> okay, tell me. He wrote, quote, an undiscovered murders... Uh, well, no, not Anne. He wrote, quote, undiscovered murders in London are rare, and the Jack the Ripper crimes are not in that category. I will merely add that only one person who has ever had a good view of the murder unhesitatingly identified the suspect the instant he was confronted with him, but refused to give evidence against him. In saying that he was a Polish Jew, I am merely stating a definitely ascertained fact. So basically what he's saying here in his old Let English me translate ways. that to English. Let me translate it for you. He's saying that there's a lot of undiscovered murders in London, but Jack the Ripper is not one because Kosminski is it. And he had somebody who was very willing to, who could identify Kosminski as a murderer the second he saw them, but they wouldn't give the investigators any evidence against Kosminski because he was also a Jew. Okay. So they never had any, they couldn't build up enough evidence so against him. So this person went out of their way and was like, I have evidence, but I don't want to give but it I'm to not you. Gonna but like I have the evidence in my brain if you can pull it out. Let me just let me just Dumbledore you and just put my memories in a little bottle. And then put it in a little freaking a, a little bird bath. I and mean, you can dip your head in there and you can watch them. How about that one? Okay. Oh, God. I feel like I'm much more annoying this episode and I'll be like not supposed to make that I'll try to go. <laughs> now they're vacuuming. Let's just vacuum. Let's just vacuum. <laughs> While they're making fun. You probably spilled something. I should have gone. Mm, no, my, my, my throat just did not do that. <laughs> it was like a cat. It was like a when they do that rolling of the tongue in Spanish yeah. class. I can't roll my tongue. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> Eric trying to make me roll my tongue the other, uh-huh. day, the other week, and I was like, <laughs> so, "Oh my god!" Okay, okay. we can you up topic. Okay, so basically, that's what he's saying is that this person could definitely identify Kosminski as the killer, but did not want to give them any further evidence as to why. He was just like, "That's him," but like. That's all. I That's can all you. you get. That's all I can tell you, for my own safety. So, I think it's okay. long. I think it's long too. <laughs> so, although he never names Kosminski directly in his memoir, it is very clear that he's talking about him. He's a Polish Jew. That's the only Polish Jewish suspect. So, sorry, Mister A. A. Rowling, but you a suspect. It was confirmed that he was talking about Kosminski, um, in eight. 1987 by the chief inspector donald swanson's copy of anderson's memoir he had basically annotated his memoir and then it just kind of shows that like that's definitely who he was talking about Mm -hmm. okay so swanson was the officer tasked with assessing all the information on the jack the ripper case and a few people and few people possessed anything like this to comprehend knowledge of murders he and anderson who's the guy who wrote the memoir um, became like firm friends and they were pretty close so he got the um, assigned copy of the memoir and he had annotated unhesitatingly identified the suspect 
he annotated that and wrote pretty much wrote Kosminski. Hmm. Yeah. So this other officer who was friends with that guy got a signed copy and was like, this is it. And that was their fact as to him referring to Kosminski. But you can kind of already tell who he's referring to. You don't really need him to like annotate it and be like, mm-hmm. this is who it is. Just because the way he describes them. Where Anderson talks of the witness unhesitatingly identifying their suspect but refusing to give evidence against him, Swanson explains that this was because the suspect was also a Jew and witness would be the means of murder being hanged, which he did not wish to be left on his mind. So he didn't give this evidence against Kosminski because of the guilty conscience, pretty much. Um, but, but like, you know, when you feel guilty for other people, <laughs> yeah, but he was a Jew, so like, it's fine. Oh, okay. he's one of them. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, he goes on to say that following this identification, the sp- the suspect was returned to his brother's house in Whitechapel, where the city police kept him under constant surveillance. A short time later, the suspect was taken to Stephanie Workhouse, and from there he was sent to Col- Colney. Hatch Lunatic Asylum. According to Swanson, he died shortly afterwards. Um, Swanson ends with a empathetic statement. Kosminski was the suspect. That's it. That that's it. That's it was, all you get. That's his empathetic statement. Was he was he was the suspect? Who was admitted to an asylum? Basically, they got the evidence. They let him go back to his brother because they couldn't get all the evidence that they mm-hmm. needed and then shortly after he was admitted to an asylum a little background on Kosminski's mental health that's some bullshit <laughs> by midnight 1890 Kosminski was displaying signs of mental health and was admitted to Mile End Old Town Workhouse his stay was short but he was readmitted in 1891 and deemed insane Kosminski was spent over three years at that asylum and he was described at various times as being extremely deluded and morose, rather difficult to deal with on account of dominant character of his delusions, incoherent, apathetic, and excitable, indolent but quiet, and clean habits, dull and vacant. vacant. He was just a little bit all over the place. Yeah, I was like, that's just like he's up this, and down. He's just this delusional bundle of joy. You know? Hmm. <clears throat> okay. Bye, bus. Um, on April 19th of 1894, he was transferred to Leeds Den Asylum, where he would spend the remaining 25 years of his life, um, dying there in March, of, March 24th of 1919. He was schizophrenic, delusional, paranoid, and incoherent. Um... But there are numerous arguments about him having been the Ripper. Um, he didn't... I, Swanson claimed that he died shortly after he was admitted. He didn't die until 25 years later. So that's just another fact that they just completely got wrong. Um, uh, Who are your research people? Because <laughs> I really want to know. Yeah. So he yeah he basically claimed that he died like shortly after being admitted to the this investigation to the first asylum headache. and then you know but he wasn't he got transferred to another asylum and then stayed there for twenty five years and then died. <laughs> okay okay. Lastly, 
Aaron Kosminski was never classified as homicidal, like the investigator stated. Um, it was specifically stated in his records that he was not ever classified as homicidal. Um, he was not a danger to others. Um, he was excitable, but the only mention of being violent was that he once grabbed a chair and made a strike at an attendant with it. So, no, like, true, like, homicidal tendencies that you would find, that they that they would think right. would lead to being a serial killer, hmm. forever found in his 25-plus years of being in an asylum. So, yeah. Bunch of frauds. Yeah. So, our conspiracy theory. Oh, dun, dun, dun. Let me make sure this is... Wait, let me start this again. It was a little... <laughs> that was a little bit high. Our conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory of the day. Okay. Is Jill the Ripper? Jill. Jill. Jack and Jill. Oh my God. Okay. So did they do that on purpose? Probably. I don't know. Probably not. But I feel like I don't know. Wonder if Jack and Jill was around then. Did Jack and Jill go up the hill? To fetch a pail of water. Or did they they fucking murder people? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is Jill the Ripper. This theory is basically that the killer was not a man, but a woman. And uh, to be honest, it's pretty good. I think the American <laughs> one's pretty good, but like this one, like this one is definitely like it's probably not true, but like it could be. It's part, it's like interesting to read. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Averline, which was once one of the investigators I talked about earlier, um, he was the one of the first ones to present the idea of the killer being a woman. Um, one of the witnesses interviewed. Um, following Mary Kelly's murder was adamant that she had seen the murder victim alive but just seriously hung over hours before her body was discovered. Um, she was supposed to be dead at that time. When this lady saw her, she was supposedly already dead. Okay. Yeah. So, um, she ins- her name was Miss Caroline Maxwell. Um, she insisted that she had seen her outside the Britanna public house wearing a dark skirt, velvet bodice, and a maroon-colored shawl. Um, so she's basically saying she, like, definitely saw, like, she's so, like, so sure she saw her a few hours before she was found, but she was already supposed to be dead at that time. Okay. So. Hmm. <laughs> the only suitable woman that they believed would be capable of, like, murders and knowing such medical and anatomical things would be a midwife. So, okay, okay. So, I see where you're going. There were also rumors circulating at the time that Mary Kelly was pregnant at the time of her death. There's no facts, no, like, solid, like, yes, she was, yeah, no, she wasn't. because they didn't have that kind of yeah. stuff back then. But there are rumors. But I feel like cause she wasn't disemboweled, I don't think. I can't remember. And if she was, you wouldn't know. Yeah. If she had a baby. Yeah, I guess you're right. So, possibly. I can't remember if she was, like, the one that wasn't disemboweled or if it was someone else. Okay. Um, so there was rumors circulating that she was pregnant at the time. However, this was never proven. But due to a, a midwife's easy access to a mother's home, it would make her the least suspected person um, to be the murderer. No one would look at her twice if she had blood on her clothing. Mm-hmm. It was a normal thing for midwives to mm-hmm. not have some blood mm-hmm. on her clothing. Okay. Um, this okay. would also make it easier for her to slip away from crime scenes unnoticed. Because they're not looking for a woman. They're looking for... Yeah. Yeah, they're looking for a male. That was their first thought was it was a male anyway. 
Okay. Okay. Um. There, obviously, the Ripper was known for slipping away, like so easily from crime scenes. So that's kind of like a another thing. Um. It also coincided with Maxwell's testimony that she had seen Kelly drunk but alive hours before her supposed death. So in 1939, long after Aberline's like speculations whether or not it was a woman, um, an author named William Stewart elaborated upon the Jill the Ripper idea. He wrote a book called um, Jack the Ripper, A New Theory. Um, his Ripper was a, mi a, a midwife and a clan's teen abortionist who was betrayed to the law by another woman so basically i don't think abortion was legal at that time was it mm -hmm. I don't think I don't, so. yeah so she was betrayed by another woman for giving her the abortion so she got locked up and when she was let out she had revenge against women mm -hmm. so she um you know went around killing people yeah, but specifically like, prostitutes. Yeah, I mean it's just a theory. It's also yeah. a book, so it's definitely like fictional mm. to make you know. Right. But you know the theory, you know behind behind it is kind of. I understand the general, yes. Yeah, the general. Theory. A midwife would also have known key pressure points on the neck to make a woman unconscious. Apparently, it was um, a tactic often used by midwives in London during the time. I don't mm. know if it was. Why to don't they do that now? Put them out of their pain just so they could do their thing and be done with it like get them stop moving mm -hmm. but apparently midwives like very commonly used that tactic to mm. like, you know so make it easier for them to attack the woman they wouldn't fight back they could leave before you know anything happened so interesting okay okay so our prime suspect was mary percy she did a very terrible thing so it involves a child. It's just gruesome. Okay. So I'm going to warn you now. Anybody listening, if you don't like children involved, I'm sorry. You can click off now. You could just listen to the first part of the episode. Um, so the suspicion around Percy was brought up long after her execution. She was executed in December, 20, December 23rd, 1890. So, even, like, the suspicion around her, she was already dead. Was that the same year as the other guy? Because he offed himself on December 31st. 1890. Nope. No, he killed himself 1888, the same year that all the murders were happening. But the crime that she committed and was executed for, she was executed in 1890, but happened before the murders. Okay. I understand. Um, so, it was even more gruesome than the death of Kelly, and it involved an 18-month-old child. So, a little bit me. Um, Mary was born Mary Eleanor Wheeler, but she took the last name of a carpenter who she lived with for some time. That carpenter was John Charles Percy, which is where she got her last name, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um... He broke ties with her because she was sneaking around with other men. Um, it becomes clear to him that she was she was described as boy crazy to like a self defeating and dangerous extent. So just like, give me the men. <laughs> that was her kind of outlook on life, which, ew, hot girl summer I guess I don't know. <laughs> but you do you, Mary. Um, but yeah, so he broke ties because she was crazy 
Um, and then after John, she started engaging with another man named Frank Hogg, who was also seeing a woman named Phoebe at the time. So we just got a bunch of cheaters. A bunch of down and dirty people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Phoebe became pregnant. Drama in Whitechapel. So Phoebe became pregnant. Oh, no. Um, but Mary encouraged Hogg to marry Phoebe for the sake of the child. <laughs> so she encouraged it and he did end up marrying her um but he continued having sexual relations with mary percy okay um, okay phoebe and mary were aware of each other and they were to the outside world they looked to be friends but that's a different story that portrays on the evening of October 24th, Percy was seen by several neighbor- neighbors pushing a covered, like, baby carriage, like a stroller, down the street. Um, she stopped to chat with, you know, friends, neighbors, passerbys, and the following day, a body of a young woman was discovered in a pile of garbage in Hampstead. Her head smashed and only almost completely severed from her body. The same day, the body of a child was also found separately, apparently suffocated. A blood-soaked baby carriage was found nearby. The bodies were quickly identified as Phoebe Hogg and her child. Mm. So she brutally, brutally murdered this woman and her baby. So. Yes. That's pretty sad. Yeah. That was, I was not expecting that when I, uh. Like yesterday, mm-hmm. I didn't know what happened to them, but you know. Um, so the police were quickly tipped off because they had all seen Mary Percy pushing yeah. this baby in a carriage. She was friends with Phoebe, friends, if you want to call them that. Um, so when officers arrived at her home, the scene inside was horrific. Um, blood spatters covered the kitchen walls, several items of clothing, clothing, a carving knife, and a fireplace poker. Um, her explanation as to why it looked like that, I was having a problem with mice and was trying to kill them. That was her excuse for why there was blood spatters all over. Okay, so she crazy crazy. She cray cray, (laughs) yeah. Um... Investigator McNaughton, who was not a great one in the beginning, mm-hmm. but he penned what we know now as the Canonical Five, um, claimed that she later took up the chant, killing mice, killing mice, killing mice. So she was just, like, chanting that. So basically, she was, like, super, super jealous, um, very love-struck in a bad way. And ended up killing this woman and her baby because she didn't like that she was seeing the man that she was seeing. Um, she claimed innocence until the end. Did not ever admit to actually murdering them. She was hanged on December 3rd, 1890. She maintained maintains notoriety to this day. And the noose that killed her still hangs in Scotland's Yard Black, Scotland Yard's Black Museum. Um, there is some criticism, obviously, to the Jill the Ripper theory. 
Um, there was no evidence that Mary Percy was a midwife herself. So, the fat, their prime suspect wasn't even a midwife, but mm-hmm. they believed the suspect in general to be a midwife. So, they don't, they don't know if she was or not, but they don't think she was. Okay. So, that kind of throws off their theory. Um, there's also no evidence to prove that the five Ripper victims were pregnant. Um, so, that would also kind of throw that out the window. But if they were... Could be a thing. Could be a thing. Um, it also, this theory also overlooks one of the most, like, notable facts about the Ripper. Um, most of the mutilations and cuts took place after, after the victims have been put down with strangulation. Um, so he or she would likely not have been so blood splattered, spattered at all. Um, so the fact, you know, saying that Nobody would think twice if they saw blood on her. Apparently there was no... There wouldn't have been a lot of blood if they had done the mutilation after the killing. Mm-hmm. So, that's another kind of... Eh. About that theory. Okay. But I thought it was quite interesting. That is interesting. So, yeah. That's it. <laughs> the end. Goodbye. The end. Goodbye. Well, Shut okay. That was very informational. That was very interesting. That's a lot. That's a yeah. lot. A lot of very factually wrong investigators. Yeah. Who they need don't, to go back to school. Yeah, they really do. Mm-hmm. I think they need to relearn a thing or two about investigating. I believe, yep, I believe that too. Yeah. We don't have any more scary stories like we did at the last of our other. Did episodes. you see mom's text message? I did see mom's text message. I think she's lying. I don't think she's lying. <laughs> Apparently. Our mother, if you listen to our last episode, Kirsten was fully convinced that our mother told us that someone was murdered in our house. No, that the person that owned it was a murderer. Oh, well, that theory is untrue. Something it's along been them debunked. lines was said. That's it's all I'm saying. It's been debunked. Okay. All I'm saying. But she didn't say my stories were false, so. Okay. Well, Our house is haunted, though, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, it is what it is, I guess. We're just going to have to live, laugh, love. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess we will catch you on the flip side and we will see you next Monday. Yeah. It's Kirsten's turn next Monday. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, keep on sipping your coffee and stay caffeinated. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.